Hello, everyone. I am going to be chatting about a, I guess, pop culture moment um, that all of us have been hearing about this week. Um, more specifically, the Will Smith Chris Rock altercation at Sunday's Oscars. Uh, and I'm going to try to give different perspectives and Given that um, there's a couple of, you know, mental health, interpersonal issues, conflict resolution points in this story, I thought it was a, a good topic to um, explore a little bit on this podcast. So um, my frame of reference for this episode is going to be a um, article, uh, I believe this is uh, an opinion article, um, guest essay that was written to the New York Times. The author of the essay is Dr. Roxanne Gay. Um, and the, the title of the article is Jada Pinkett Smith shouldn't have to take a joke, neither should you. Um, and so obviously that title kind of caught my attention um, because it gives a little bit more uh, perspective into how nuanced the situation is. Before we get into the different talking points I have and kind of some insights that I've gained from this article, um, outside of, of course, being a therapist and a mental health advocate and stuff like that, I'm a human. So initially, and, you know, it, we wear different hats, right? So if I was responding to something in my therapist um mode, I would probably respond to this differently than I would as just a, you know, consumer of, you know, uh, content that involves these um, different characters. Um, but from face value of like watching the video and um, seeing how um, what, you know, was a bad joke turned into a basically the slap heard around the world. My, you know, if we're looking at just John Zell, the somewhat petty individual, right? Not the therapist or someone who's holistically looking at this. I felt that the joke was in poor taste. And um, I'm not even a fan of either Will Smith or Chris Rock. Uh, I like what both of them do as actors, um, and in their their crafts, however, as individuals, I'm not that impressed. I love Jada Pinkett Smith. I really like what she does with the Red Table Talks and um, how she covers a lot of like um, current issues and mental health topics on that uh, platform. So I've always been a big fan of Jada Pinkett Smith uh, since I was a young child. So. All of that to be said, uh, when I watched the video and didn't have any commentary or context, I, again, being petty, I was like, hey, he said something, you know, disrespectful. Um, I know Jada's, um, you know, uh, because I follow her, I know that she's been struggling with hair loss and things like that. Side note, you might hear my dog snoring. That's kind of the norm here on this podcast. But um I, I know that she's been dealing with hair loss and she's talked about it on the red table talks and things like that. Um, and so of course it, it sounded and was a low blow, um, whether Chris Rock knew, uh, about her health condition or not. Um, and 
you know, I'm going to get into the um, the nuances of, you know, black hair and identity as well. And w- with all of that being said, on face value, I was in support of that response. Um, and of course, you know, everyone's probably listening to this like, oh, so you endorse uh, violence and all of that. No. Um, but I'm just saying from a very basic, like, I saw this video, this is what I thought. That's that's how I initially started. But obviously, a lot of discussion has been sparked from this this week. So hopefully, uh, this podcast episode is able to add some value to that conversation. So to get started, I'm going to read some excerpts from this uh, article by Dr. Gay. Um, and then I'll kind of get into some of the reflection and commentary. So, quote, This is not a defense of Will Smith, who does not need me to defend him. Instead, this is a defense of thick skin. It is a defense of boundaries and being human and enforcing one's limits. It is a repudiation of the incessant valorizing of taking a joke, having a sense of humor. It is a rejection of the expectation that we laugh off everything people want to say and do to us. I think a lot about how we are constantly asked to make our skin even thicker. Toughen yourself, we're told. Whoever we are, whatever we've been through, or are going through, stop being so brittle and sensitive. Lighten up. I'm not talking about constructive criticism or accountability, but rather the intense scrutiny and unnecessary commentary people have to deal with when they challenge others' expectations one way or another. So the author goes on to say, quote, It should go without saying that comedians are free to say what they please. Long live creative license and free speech. But it should be obvious that the targets of jokes and insults have every right to react and respond. There is a strange idea that there is nobility in tolerating, or, better yet, enjoying humor that attacks who you are, what you do, or how you look. That, with free speech, comes the obligation to turn the other cheek, rise above, laugh it all off. We often see this when comedians want to joke about race, sexual assault, gender violence, and other issues that people experiencing them don't find terribly funny. If you can't laugh along, you are humorless, you are thin-skinned, and you're a problem, end quote. And so a quick response to what I've read so far, the basically if you can't play along with a joke, um, the general consensus is that the person who can't take a joke is the problem, not the person saying something hurtful, um, which in its most basic definition is the definition of gaslighting. And so the author goes on to say, quote, I've stopped aspiring to be thicker skinned and I no longer expect or admire it in others because sometimes people can't take a joke. In some situations, yes, we're humorless. If our skin gets too thick, we won't feel anything at all, which is the most unreasonable of expectations. And we won't know we've been wronged or wounded until it's too late. Miss Pinkett Smith has alopecia, a condition resulting in hair loss that disproportionately affects black women. It was in poor taste for Mr. Rock to poke fun at her hair. He has reportedly said he did not know about her alopecia, 
but he probably at least knew that the joke would sting since he produced a documentary, Good Hair, about black women and their often fraught relationships with their hair. And then the author goes on to say, still, Mr. Smith most likely saw his wife's pain, and it's possible he was himself experiencing a moment of fragility, of thin skin. In his memoir, Will, the actor writes about the guilt he felt because as a child he could not protect his mother from his father's abuse. Mr. Rock's job was not in any way the same thing as domestic violence, but I can see how Mr. Smith might not have been able to take that joke at his wife's expense, given the layers of context and public and private histories leading to that evening. What gets lost in the discourse is that, however disappointing the incident was, it was also a rare moment when a black woman was publicly defended. End quote. So I'm going to go on later to share another um, excerpt from this article, but from what we've heard so far, there's a couple of things that we can kind of comment on. So the first thing is the nuance and complexity of black people in their hair. Um, as a... Um, Black person myself, as someone who is currently in the journey of embracing my natural hair, um, I started locking my hair about two years ago. Uh, and the, you know, dealing with some of the opinions of others and some of the stereotypes and things like that. Um, but then also, you know, being a person who is really, you know, intrigued by and uh, fascinated with the diversity and um, uh, dynamics of Black people in their hair in various different forms. That that background that I have, again, contributes to my initial um, understanding um, and somewhat siding with how things played out in this particular conflict. Because black people, uh, in addition to all sorts of different types of discrimination and ridicule and um, assessment and commentary, um, our hair is a very um, touchy subject, uh, and especially black women. And, you know, we still have situations where... Um, you know, people are not being allowed to wear braids to their job or to wear locks to their graduations. Um, we are trying to get the, the Crown Act passed, in, and it's not passed in all states. Um, so there's still um, hair-based discrimination uh, going on. And so given the context of, like I said, I, I, I follow Jada, and I know... Um, her struggle with the alopecia, which um, results in hair loss. Um, and she actually went through a phase where she would wear a lot of um, head wraps um, as in a transition from, you know, being a person who always had this great thick hair, um, styled different ways. And, you know, she started wearing head wraps as a way to kind of transition. And then part of the liberation from feeling self-conscious was to shave her head and to wear that. And 
for Black women, um, just like in in any other you know background, uh, a shaved head is a type of hairstyle. Um, but for her, it's one of freedom and liberation from the insecurities of the hair loss. So when we think about that context and we think about um, the stereotypes and the prejudices and things like that, that black people, especially black women, you know, think of all the sideways comments you've heard about black women and their weaves or, um, you know, how, uh, you know, black women um, have their hair styled with, you know, uh, hair that they bought, you know, from a beauty supply store and stuff like that. There's been tons of, you know, sideways remarks and um, judgments about how uh, black people groom themselves and how they carry themselves. So um, it's important to consider that in the the conversation as we look at this, you know, very short instance of um, reaction to a bad joke, right? Um, and with that in mind, we also have to think about the um, strong black woman trope, um, which uh, in addition to like what the article was saying about having a thick skin, um, just as a, a, a virtue that's um, pushed in our society, black women in particular have um, had to shoulder this expectation to show strength no matter what. And, you know, you look back at, um, I've spoken on this podcast about, um, you know, post-traumatic slave syndrome. I've talked about how the, um, you know, the, the black, uh, family that the, the nuclear family unit that we see today is not based in generations and generations of modeling. Um, because, you know, we're not too far removed from the institution of slavery and, um, you know, excessive violence towards people for the color of their skin and things like that. It, it does impact the family. Um, and so oftentimes we, um, a lot of black women are left as, you know, single parents or, um, you know, uh, going through life without adequate support from what we would perceive as a, um, ideal or supportive family unit. Um, and so oftentimes they have to present strength because they are not only the sole caregiver for their families. They, they also have to shoulder the financial burden. They have to work. They have to support their kids. And um, it's a lot of pressure to have to appear strong all the time. Um, and this is a, a stereotype expectation and a defense mechanism that a lot of black women have had to um, adapt to given, you know, social um, uh, dynamics that are going on, um, for folks of color. And then, you know, of course we, we look at Jada Pinkett Smith, obviously she's not, you know, a single parent. She's not, um, you, you wouldn't think of her as being someone who, you know, I say all of these things like, oh, well, there's, there's certain trends and things that are impacting the black community. Obviously, due to her wealth and um, status, she has certain privileges, right? But just because you're, um, you can really hear my dog <laughs> snoring in the background. Um, just because you're, um, say, wealthy or you have access to certain resources doesn't mean that you're completely disconnected from 
that generational and environmental and societal pressure and uh, discrimination that, you know, people face. Like, for example, I'm a therapist. I have a master's degree. I um, make pretty good money, you know, working for myself and things like that. But I'm also a black man, right? I've been, you know, within steps of my house, I've been, you know, uh, you know, attacked verbally, um, you know, with racial slurs just from some random person for the simple color of my skin, right? Um, I've had, uh, you know, though I know that, you know, wearing dreadlocks would, um, for to me, there's many reasons behind it. Um, Most importantly, connecting with my um, African ancestry. Um, But of course, you know, given some of the controversy and negative opinions about, um, you know, wearing dreadlocks, I've had people make remarks um, and especially in the the scope of like respectability politics. So, well, you know, as a therapist, you're supposed to um, appear professional and polished, right? Um, and that was a big part of when I first tried to lock my hair, um, I think it was in 2019, that mm-hmm. I ended up not keeping with the journey because of at the time, I didn't have the confidence, and I was really bothered by some of the opinions that I was getting from non-melanated people about what that would be like to be a um, therapist, you know, fresh into business for himself and um, choosing that particular type of hairstyle. So I say all of that to say um just because you have a sense of privilege or status or you hold a specific role or whatever, um, just like uh, Jada Pinkett, you know, she's a, a successful actress and has, a, you know, a body of work um, under her belt and stuff like that. You're still not immune to discrimination, um, uh, ridicule and things like that. And the next layer of this is the fact that the ridicule was coming from somebody with black skin, Right. Um, so it's not always, you know, people that aren't black or are not a minority, um, that are always the problem. Well, yes, there is plenty of issues coming that way, but when it's coming from someone within your own community, um, there's a whole nother level of nuance. And you think of like, well, um, and I've talked about colorism and, um, things like that uh, in previous episodes, but one of the most pervasive and, you know, lasting symptoms and fallouts of our country's, you know, very messy history with, you know, slavery and um, placing different values on different types of people and, Um, having a hierarchy of power and importance and, for lack of a better term, systemic prejudice and discrimination that continues to this day is that when, you know, okay, so we have uh, emancipation and we have um, the civil rights movement and we have the fight towards equal rights and things like that, a lasting symptom of the 
stain of our country's history is that not only does racism and discrimination still exist, that it's generational and it's passed down and it's very difficult to correct and overcome, a, a side a uh, side effect of this is that people in the disenfranchised communities, such as Black people, um, have heard all of these messages from their environments, from society, and then the the racism and the discrimination gets internal to where people are policing themselves within their own communities. I've talked about this with colorism. You know, um, it gets to where, you know, think of okay, back in slavery times, you know, lighter skin folks were valued more than the darker skin. Um, and so as those uh, environmental societal ideals were passed down and passed down and passed down, even to this day, I have clients who are darker skin who talk about being bullied because, you know, for being too black. Um, I have clients whose parents will tell them, you know, don't spend too much time in the sun, you'll get blacker. I've, I've had clients whose, um, you know, parents will um, have this belief that, oh, you should marry up, you should, um, you know, lighten your uh, bloodline, so to speak. I even did a book review recently on my blog um, about a, a novel that kind of covers that, that topic more in depth. But I, again, say all of that to say, um, there's a lot of layers and uh, challenges with when there's something that is a touchy subject and then you're publicly um, having to deal with um, commentary on it in a very like in this instance, you know, Jada and Will are sitting at their seat um, and Chris Rock makes this joke and your 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 ins possible insecurities and histories and generational stuff all of that is being triggered and you have a camera in your face right um and obviously sometimes we handle things with um poise and uh other times we don't have that level of um patience or um the ability to navigate that and, you know, things go left. Um, and I started this podcast episode by saying, you know, I'm a human, um, despite the fact that I'm educated and I like, you know, am a therapist by trade. I still have petty moments where I'm like, ah, this is what I think, or I might say something impulsive or, um, you know, do something. And so we can't hold celebrities to, a higher standard, like the, at the end of the day, despite, you know, their fame and stuff like that, they're still humans. We're all common and equal in our humanity. So again, um, that's, that's another, um, angle. Um, and of course the excerpts that I shared moving on the excerpts that I shared, it did talk about how, um, you know, will, so going into kind of the mental health and how our histories shape who we are, we kind of talked about Jada and her health issues and all of that and then black hair and things like that. But let's pivot real quick to Will Smith's history. Um, so I did read his memoir. Um, and once again, I'm not a fan of Will Smith as a an individual. I've enjoyed some of his films and TV shows, but um, 
I'm not personally, I'm not a big fan of, you know, how he kind of moves through the world and some of his like personality traits and things like that. Um, However, in his memoir, he does talk about how um, growing up, he um, struggled a lot with the fact that uh, his mom dealt with domestic violence. Right. Um, And that was big in shaping who he is, um, you know, to try to break that generational curse. Right. Um, And like the article said, there's it's apples and oranges if you want to compare like, okay, seeing domestic violence as a child versus like bitch slapping somebody in front of the entire world. Um, But it's worth noting that Will Smith does have a strong conviction against violence. Um, And um, it's, it's apparent if you do read his book. Um, However, again, as humans, we don't always 100% stay with our, um, morals and convictions. Sometimes we're pushed to the edge and we act out of pocket. So I just thought that that was worth mentioning. Uh, in the article, uh, at the end, and I'll read the, the quote again, uh, quote, what gets lost in the discourse is that however disappointing the incident was, it was also a rare moment when a black woman was publicly defended End quote. Um, I call this a silver lining because despite the fact that this whole situation is controversial and problematic, anybody in the black community could know that women are not protected and valued as much as, say, uh, their non-melanated counterparts, right? Um, And again, we've talked about some of the societal, social justice type of things that contribute to that, whether it be you know, the, the pay gap and how not only for being black, you make less, but being a black woman, you make even less than say a white male or a white woman. So just some of those things you have to kind of keep in mind. And it's not too often that, you know, given the dynamics of, you know, black families and just the, you know, the brokenness of, you know, human nature in general and how, people move through life and stuff like that, we don't get to see a lot of instances where a black woman is wronged and someone else stands up for them. Um, Oftentimes we see black women who have to defend themselves um, because no one else will. Um, We see it time and time again in, you know, TV and things like that where something wrong is done and almost people have to choose keeping their livelihood or, um, you know, not rocking the boat so that they don't lose opportunities if they stand up for themselves. So while, again, this is a problematic way to defend somebody, it was an example where um, people got to see like, okay, someone had her back. And that in and of itself is something worth noting. Um, And again, I told you from the beginning, um, I clearly have some bias in that I really love Jada and what she does. Um, And knowing her background and stuff like that, I understood the disappointment. I mean, you could see how hurt she was on her face by the the joke. Um, And, of course, she doesn't have control over what her husband does. Um, But all things considered, it's worth mentioning that we don't always get to see black women being defended. 
Um, so this was a rare example. Was it done effortlessly? No. Um, and one of the things I really like is that the author goes on to expand this to the bigger picture. So, you know, we're talking about the topic of a black woman being defended. Let's not forget about Katanji Brown um, last week and her, what do we call this? That entire like review process and basically being interrogated by these Republican white men, um, that was a shit show. And as a person of color, I mean, I could do a whole episode on just the fuckery that came on with that, but it was another instance where, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the principles of this article is, okay, you have to have a thick skin. You have to be able to take uh, criticism and stuff like that. Well, she sat there and was basically in front of a firing squad and she was expected if she wants to succeed in what her career trajectory is, she's supposed to look unbothered and that in and of itself, basically pushing stuff down and acting unbothered. That is the ultimate, um, you know, we're thinking about mental health and quality of life. That stuff right there is what is, uh, very toxic, um, that people feel that they have to endure, disrespect and um being degraded and being um minimized and um patronized so that they can succeed like this is the thing about you know being a person of color that um some people may not get i mean granted you know everyone has different perspectives and stuff like that but i say a uh affluent you know white person who lives in the suburbs, they may look at this instance and think, oh, that man is out of control. He, you know, did something so terrible. But um, you think of like the the different, the, basically the bullshit that black people have to deal with just to be able to function in this world and how we have to overcome so much. It It is exhausting and it does have an impact on us. Like we can look like we have a thick skin. We can look like we're unbothered, but it doesn't mean that damage isn't being done. You just can't see it. I'm going to read this section where she kind of expands the the concepts about uh, the Will Smith, uh, Chris Rock situation to what had happened uh, last week with Katanji Brown. So, quote, We also witnessed an example last week of a woman forced to wear incredibly thick skin as she was left largely undefended. During Judge Katanji Brown Jackson's uh, confirmation hearings for the Supreme Court, that that distinguished jurist endured all manner of insult, racism, and misogyny from Republican senators asking ludicrous questions that were really opportunities for grandstanding. Judge Jackson was applauded in many circles for her calm and composure. For many black women, it was pain it was a painful spectacle because we know what it is like to experience that kind of scrutiny, interrogation, and disrespect in a personal and professional setting. We know what it is like to withstand scrutiny without intervention. We understand that the only way forward for Judge Jackson was to remain composed, stoic, impervious. We also noted 
that other than Senator Cory Booker, Democrats failed to protect their president's nominee. The Senate Judiciary Committee apparently valued decorum over Judge Jackson's dignity, end quote. And so the final paragraph and sign-off of this article that I've been talking about today, I want to read to you, quote, Yes, these are all public figures, and imperviousness to criticism and ridicule is a necessity for celebrities or anyone in the public eye. But no matter how thick your skin is, or with how much wealth, fame, and power you are cosseted, being the butt of a joke isn't fun. Sometimes it is intolerable when you are constantly a target of jokes, insults, incivility, and worse, as most black women are, the skin you've spent a lifetime thickening can come apart. We're only human, and so too are the people who love us. So I hope that you've gotten something out of uh, my reflections on this um, situation, obviously, Um, There's no way to really cover all angles of this, but I hope that um, you can at least have learned something new. I'll make sure to link the the article that I'm talking about in this episode show notes. Before I do the sign off for this episode, um, given that I've talked a lot about uh, black hair, natural hair and stuff like that in this episode, uh, it's kind of a shameless plug, but I actually have a uh, Instagram page that I started to document not only my uh, dreadlock journey, but the um, the education and kind of the, the times I'm having with my daughter as she learns about her hair and we do different like styles and stuff like that. So if you're interested in following that journey, um, you can follow us on Instagram. It's MJ the letter Z like zebra, L-O-C-S, so M-J's locks. Uh, And I'll also put that handle in this episode show notes. So thought I would uh, mention that real quick. Um, And yeah, stay tuned for more episodes. Um, I I truly love um, this, this podcast and the ability to not only learn more, but to speak with an audience and, um, I feel like it's definitely helping me to um, become more well-rounded as a person. So um, I thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you the next time. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support this podcast by buying me a coffee. The link is in this episode's show notes. Thanks in advance. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast, and best of all, it's free. They offer creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Did I mention that you can make money from your podcast no matter the size of your following? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today.